So I want to start with asking a question to you guys. Um, help us get help us get thinking about um, what what our passage is today. Have you ever been tied up in knots inside, or fixated on some concern that you just couldn't get off your mind? We face a lot of worries and burdens every day, and some of them even come up often. Some things that you just can't can't get your mind off of. I thought I'd take a little bit of time to make a list of some that we can all relate to. This might be you right now, or if you're married, this, this was you in the past. But everyone's faced the question of, you're interested in a guy or a girl, and you just don't know, does he like me? Does she like me? And it's like, just ties you up in knots, like, I've got to know, I'm wondering, like, what, like, is there any way I can find out without them knowing? Um, it just consumes, like, your mind and your thoughts. What about riding in the car with someone who's a little bit of a crazy driver? And if you're, if you're a little bit more of a nervous person, you don't, maybe you don't trust people as much when they're driving, just maybe put, put your foot out a little bit of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push the brakes for them, or, or tell them like, hey, you, you going to slow down? You're going you to put, like, stop here, or, or are we going to crash into this car in front of us? Like, I've never, uh, never done that before. What about that one day you forgot to brush your teeth? And you're just so worried, like, I mean, I really, I really hope no one, uh, no one smells my breath because this is just terrible. I mean, you know, never, never had that happen to me before. On a more serious note, I think all of us can relate to being worried or concerned about the next steps that we're taking with our lives. And especially as young adults who are either in or graduating out of college or starting careers, there's a lot of anticipation on our minds for what might be next. And so whether it's, man, what is that career that I'm going to get into that can actually provide for my needs and maybe for a family one day, or will God provide someone for me to marry? Like, who is that person? Um, should I move? Should I stay in Lynchburg? I mean, we've those are all questions I think we, we can relate to. Um, or maybe even, maybe even concerns about your family. Uh, perhaps you have a family member who is sick or is like spiritually in bad health, and you have concerns about, man, I don't know where, where they're going when they die. Um, that can be a great burden that weighs, weighs on our minds. So when we stop and think about it, we're a very concerned and worried people. And as funny as serious as these concerns are, there's one concern that should come before all of those, all the things that I just listed. And nothing should be more important to us than revering God as holy, honoring him as holy. God is above all and before all. He's our great creator and our savior. He's perfect in character, incomparable in power, and abounding in steadfast love. 
Treating God as holy should be first on our minds. And not only should it be what we think about, but have you considered how dangerous it is to disregard God and his holiness and just not even, not even care about it? I'd say this is probably the most dangerous thing we can do as humans is just act as though God doesn't exist or not even care about his holiness. And we see this all the time in the world. People worship actors, pop stars, or athletes, um, and they invest their time and money and their hearts into, into these obsessions instead of God. Or maybe you see, you see your worldly friends pursuing spiritual experiences or just adrenaline rushes, fulfilling things that are like, this is going to satisfy me. Whether it's drugs or rules and rituals of, of some false religion like Mormonism, or even constant p- partying. People of the world will do anything they can to consume their minds with thoughts to drive out God and his holiness. Not only, do we try to drive, not only does the world try to drive God out by distractions, but they also indulge in sin. Whether it's relationships and casual sex with anyone that they want at any time, from envying other people's spouses or possessions, cheating and killing to get what they want, or exploiting helpless people to satisfy their cravings. We could go on and on with the list of the, hu- of the evils of the human heart. All of these people are sinning against God and his holiness. And that means they're storing up wrath against him that will one day be poured out on, in judgment in hell. And this is a great consequence that people of the world don't even think about most of the time. Now, it's obvious the world cares very little about God and his holiness and, and completely disregards him. But you and I as believers, we used to do this. We used to ignore God and not care about his holiness. Before you were saved, maybe you were like what I just described, living a part of the world, just experiencing all the pleasures that it had to offer, and just completely ignoring God. However, even if your life didn't look worldly from the outside, and you grew up in a Christian home, but you weren't trusting in God, like that was the case for me, your heart was still set on your own desires. Like, even if you grew up in a Christian home but weren't saved, ultimately it wasn't about pleasing God or being right with him, having a relationship with him, but it was about whatever I want and what I can do to fulfill that. And even though we disregarded God and deserved nothing but his wrath, he didn't give us what we deserved. God showed his abundant mercy by sending Christ to take our place. We had earned the full wrath of God by our sin and by our disobedience. There was nothing we could do to change our position before him. Christ came and lived the perfect life that we never could, and he bore God's wrath upon himself. Every last drop 
that you and I stored up. What a wonderful and merciful Savior is Christ. When we reflect on Christ and his mercy, it's further reason for us to magnify God. But even as Christians, we can still minimize God and his holiness. We often fear man more than God and put time and effort and thoughts of thinking how to please the people who we respect and make sure that they're happy with us instead of, man, what does God think about what I'm doing? Um, I know I often fall into that trap and temptation. And not only does this happen at a personal level, but we also see this in churches all over the United States and the world. Think of the churches that, instead of preaching God's truth clearly and living out their, the example of Christ with their lives, try to set up an environment that's comfortable to the world and that's attractive to sinful people, just cozying up to the world as it was so it'll be more attractive to them. Oh, that'll definitely that'll save, save a lot of people. Um, but sadly, this is, that's a false reality. These churches are ignoring God and his word and his holiness And there won't be true fruit out of that kind of a ministry. So even we as believers need a fresh vision of God and his holiness from his word. Or else we're going to be conformed to the world. Please open your Bibles this morning to the book of Leviticus. Not a passage, that, not a book that we usually open to. But in Leviticus chapter 10, you'll find a really helpful and important passage that will, where God will give us a clear view of his holy character. As we read this passage and learn about it, we'll be reminded that God deeply cares about how we treat him. How we worship God, how we live our lives, how we respond to his word. All of these things are very important to God. Leviticus 10 focuses on two people. You may know them, you may have never heard of them before, but there are a couple of priests. Their names are Nadab and Abihu. Nadab and Abihu were the first two sons of Aaron, who was the first high priest. When we meet them, They've just been ordained as God's special ministers who offer sacrifices to atone for the sins of God's people and teach his instruction how to obey his law and to be close, how to be in present in, in God's presence. God loved his people, Israel, and he desired to be near, to have his presence close to them. However, because the people of Israel were so sinful and their hearts were set on rebellion in their own ways, they needed someone, they needed a, a mediator to go between and provide, help provide atonement for sin so God could be near them. And the role of the priest was to offer sacrifices so that the people could be around God and be, be near him. Before Christ... There was not a final sacrifice for sin, but it was, it was serious and weighty. 
And so God provided his priests for that role. And in where we're at in the book of Leviticus is a, is a special point for the people of Israel. They're finally, finally close to God's blessed presence, and he's just brought his glory into the tabernacle. So the people of Israel are out in the wilderness. They're getting ready to enter the promised land. But God cares about them so much and wants to be near him that he's already coming down and showing his glory that they can be with him. Aaron, the high priest, has just offered a special sacrifice to God, and God accepted his sacrifice with fire. It's a wonderful yet precarious moment. Never has God in his holiness been so close to his chosen people, Israel. Aaron and the people have shown reverence for God and are rewarded for it. If only his sons, Nadab and Abihu, could have followed their father's example. So look with me now at Leviticus chapter 10. We'll read verses 1 through 7. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, and before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brothers from the front of the sanctuary and out of the camp. So they came near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar his sons, Do not let the hair of your heads hang loose, and do not tear tear your clothes, lest you die and wrath come upon all the congregation. But let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning that the Lord has kindled. And do not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting, lest you die, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. In Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 7, there are two lessons from how God responds to Nadab and Abihu. Two lessons from how God responds to Nadab and Abihu. The first lesson, it's dangerous to disregard our holy God, verses 1 through 3. It's dangerous to disregard our holy God. And the second lesson, it's safe to submit to our holy God. Verses 4 through 7. Let's look at the first lesson now. It's dangerous to disregard our holy God. We disregard God and his holiness at our own peril. So God had given clear 
and gracious instruction to his priests and his people Israel of how they were to come before him and approach him. He wanted them to be near him. He wanted to dwell among them. But because of their sin and his holiness, it required special measures. And God graciously laid this out in, in clear detail so there would be no question marks. That, that's the character of our God. He doesn't just give us commands without giving us means to fulfill those, and particularly in Christ as believers. But he gave them the instruction they needed. And Nadab and Abihu chose to completely ignore all of this instruction and approach God on their own terms. They chose to ignore God's word. Nadab and Abihu, as God's priests, should have known better than anybody how serious it is to worship a holy God and for someone so holy to be near to a sinful people. But they chose to ignore all of that and experience the consequences. Let's think about their sin. So if you look at verse 1, toward the end, when it's describing the fire that they offer, offered before the Lord, my ESV says they offered unauthorized fire from before the Lord. Does anyone else have a different version that says something other than unauthorized? What does yours say? Strange fire. Are there any other? Mario? Profane? So strange, profane, unauthorized. What does that mean? Like, was this some kind of mystical um, conjuring up that they did? Why, why is Moses giving us th- these details in the passage? I think it's, it's actually more clear than you might expect. So right after he says they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, he says, which he, being God, which he had not commanded them. And I think the ESV has a really good rendering here when it says unauthorized fire. This is a sacrifice, I mean, this is an offering that God is not permitted to He's never said, come before me and and offer fire in this way. And that was their sin. That was what what they did that was so serious. They chose to do what they thought was worship of God, but was really pride and saying, we're going to come to God on our own terms and do what we think is right and worship him as as we we see fit. But that completely goes against all that God had commanded and led to, led to an immediate judgment. It reminded me a little bit, I think a, a good illustration of this is on a much lower scale, when Queen Esther comes before the presence of King Artaxerxes in the book of Esther, when she knows that her people are going to die, and so she has the boldness to without invitation, enter the throne room and ask a question of the king. And he has to extend the royal scepter or else she's dead, even though she's the queen. And this isn't just some earthly king that Nadab and Abihu are coming before, but this is the God and creator of the universe, the most holy one. There's no higher stakes than what they entered. That's why God judged them so quickly and immediately. 
was because their sin was so serious. And because they were under the old covenant, there was no protection between them and God's holiness. There was no veil or go-between. It was just them and the holiness of God. And I think when you read this passage at first, the judgment seems a little bit severe and just immediate, like, wow, there was no warning. Just God consumed them with fire. But we have to, we, it's important that we bring our minds into accord with the Scriptures and not let ourselves direct what the Scriptures say. This judgment was exactly what they deserved. And because there was no go-between between between them and God, that's, that's how serious sin is in the eyes of God. That's how serious His holiness is. And it shows us just a great point of application for us as believers who are in Christ. That's what Christ took for you. Your sin had earned you a lot more than just an immediate death by fire that came to Nadab and Abihu, but it earned you eternal judgment. And Christ bore that judgment upon himself. And it's very easy, I think, hearing the gospel over and over again to forget, or I don't say forget, but minimize what Christ took for us. But it was an incredible thing. I mean, we had no hope. We were, we were destined for eternal judgment. But he came and bore that for us. The sin of Nadab and Abihu is also serious because they're the leaders of worship. They're the leaders of God's people. So they were supposed to be modeling how to approach God and come before him. And yet they were exactly the opposite of of a model. Um, They did exactly what the people shouldn't do. And in verse 3, Moses says, talking, he gives gives God's divine commentary on the death of Nadab and Abihu. And he tells Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, and before all the people I will be glorified. What he's saying here is, among those who are near me, among all my priests who are leading me, who are giving direction for worship, I must be regarded as holy by them. And then before all the people, I will be glorified. When Nadab and Abihu approached God in their own terms, God was not glorified by their irreverence. And so God brought judgment on them. You might be thinking, well, okay, I get how serious their sin was, and I could see they came right before a holy God without his invitation. You know, it makes sense that they were immediately burned by fire. But what about, what about in the New Covenant? What about now that, that Christ has come? And of course, for those of us who are in Christ, who have received him in faith, trusted in him for our salvation, God has paid for our wrath, for the wrath that we deserved. But the, for the world, for those who approach God on their own terms, 
he still, his wrath is still a real reality. Just go with me in your minds for a minute to the story in Acts chapter 5 of Ananias and Sapphira. So in the early church, right as it's in some ways a similar, similar setting to the story of Leviticus, where everything's going so well, God's people are dwelling with him. You know, now they have the Holy Spirit in Acts, so we actually can obey God. <laughs> um, they have the, the righteousness of Christ. Ananias and Sapphira are posing as believers. They're hiding among the church, and they think they can get away with lying about about their offerings. However, God sees right through their ruse and strikes them dead for their sin against him. And the point of that story is very similar to the point of Leviticus chapter 10, where God will not tolerate cavalier treatment of himself. God is holy, and apart from Christ, there's no way we can approach him on our own. And as believers, we can't minimize or ignore God's holiness. The Apostle Peter quotes a passage right after um, the one that we're looking at, Leviticus 11.45, when he says, Be holy as God is holy, in 1 Peter 1.15. So Peter calls us to follow the exam- as believers to co- follow God's example of holiness. Now that we've learned it is dangerous to disregard our holy God, the story teaches us a second lesson. And the second lesson is it's safe to submit to our holy God. It's safe to submit to our holy God. So in verses 4 through 7, Moses calls the, uh, the sons of Aaron's uncle to carry away the bodies of Nadab and Abihu from before the Lord's presence um, to remove the defilement from the people. They've, they've come against God and have, and now their presence is a defilement. And they won't, so it's important for, to get their bodies out of there. And then he gives some really important and, and specific instructions to the remaining priests. That's worth just going over them again. And Moses said to Aaron and Eleazar and Ithamar his sons, we're in verse 6 now, Do not let the hair of your heads hang loose, and do not tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon the congregation. But let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning that the Lord has kindled. And do not go outside the, tent, the entrance of the tent of meeting, lest you die, and the, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And here, Moses is giving gracious instructions from God to the remaining priests to prevent a further outbreak of judgment. So it was normal in Bible times, and I'm sure you've heard many, many occasions where people tear their clothes when they're distressed, they're, they're sorrowful, they're mourning. And so that was a natural response for people in that time to do. Um, and of course, it would have been appropriate in a normal situation, if your brothers just died, to display grief and to be sorrowful. Um, 
But because the priests had just undergone the anointing ceremonies of the Lord and they were set apart as holy, for them to loosen their hair or to tear their clothes would have been to defile their holy state before God and brought his judgment. And the important point from, from this part of the story is, at, is what really what happens at the end um, of, the, of these verses, which is they did according to the words of Moses. And you don't, even in the rest of the passage, it doesn't, doesn't say anything more about the potential judgment that Moses talks about here. But if you just imagine, what if the priests hadn't followed Moses' instructions and torn their clothes, let their hair hang loose? They would have been killed, and God would have brought a plague on the whole nation. So even though the, the death of Nadab and Abihu was bad, there was potential judgment um, if those priests acted according to their feelings and what they wanted to do instead of what God said in his word. So the point we need to take away from that is that by trusting in God and obeying his word, the priests preserved their lives and the lives of the people. God graciously preserved their lives in response to their trust. And even as new, as new covenant believers who are no longer under the, the fear of God's wrath because we have Christ, God also calls us to obey and to trust him. And he promises to bless us if we do. In Christ, we have freedom from fear. We, don't have to, we no longer have to worry about God's judgment being poured out upon us because Christ has paid it all. And God also calls us, because of, because of our position in Christ, to pursue holiness, that God might be glorified by our lives. God makes us more like Christ as we present our members to him um, for righteousness instead of what we used to do, which was present our members to sin and toward our own desires. So let me read to you a familiar passage in light of the realities of God's holiness and his calling to us. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says that, we're called, we were taught to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed after the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So in Christ, in the new man, the new creation that God, has, God is bringing forth, not only are we forgiven from our sins, not only has Christ accomplished that great reality, but he also makes us a holy and righteous people before God. And we can finally fulfill the purpose that God intended from the beginning. We can finally live holy lives and honoring God um, without fear. And so that motivates us to put off the old man in sin, which only is shameful, only brings shame and condemnation and pursue holiness instead. So it's dangerous to disregard God and his holiness 
but it's safe to submit to our holy and merciful God. The story of Nadab and Abihu is an important warning for us to heed God's holiness and submit to him for our good. As I've been saying throughout this story, because we're New Covenant believers and because of the mercies of Christ, the story takes a special significance for us. God is the same God today as he is in that story. So the same God that judged Nadab and Abihu and poured out wrath on them is just as holy and righteous. But God has poured that wrath out on Christ for us as believers. Christ has drank the whole cup of wrath. And we don't live in the same fear of judgment that the Old Testament saints did because God has fulfilled the requirements of the law for us. So this this should inspire praise and thankfulness from us that Christ has fulfilled the law and he's, he's absorbed the wrath that we deserved. And God has saved us to live new lives, as we've been learning in, in the main service with Pastor Brian through our study of Romans. Um, instead of walking in our former ways of sin, he saved us that we, that we could pursue holiness. Another great encouragement is that we've been given God's spirit as believers. We aren't trying to obey in our own strength or without the resources we need. But when you became a believer, you became indwelt with the Holy Spirit, who gives you new desires and abilities to obey God and to walk in his, his righteous ways. If you want to learn more about that, you could read Romans 8. That talks about the realities of, of the Spirit in us. So, I'm just so thankful and gracious to God for all of the blessings that he's given us, all the mercies that we have. Um, And when you read a story like this and just see how holy God is, you see how righteous and, and you and I know that if we are in the same position as old covenant believers and sin against God, we just, and we do deserve the same judgment as him. We deserve exactly what Nadab and Abihu got. But God didn't give that to us. He showed us mercy. He showed you mercy. So if we're going to live the holy and fruitful lives that God has called us to as believers, we need to know truths like this. We need to go back and consider Leviticus chapter 10, even a book that we often don't, you know, we often don't read or think about. But there's, there's sweet truth of who our holy God is. Um, it helps us see more clearly what Christ has done and the mercy that he's shown to us. So I just want to encourage you guys, um, even today, take some time to thank God for, for the mercy that he's shown you. Take some time to confess your own sinfulness to him and acknowledge that you don't bring anything to him. Um, God is merciful and gracious to us and, and has given us all good things in Christ. Let's pray together. Dear Lord God, um, thank you so much for your clear word to us, for a picture of your holy, righteous character in the story of Nadab and Abihu. Um, we need that. Uh, we're prone to 
prone to minimize your holiness and minimize um, your greatness and majesty and, and be consumed with our own cares and fears. Um, but Lord, you, you are worthy of all of our affection and praise and all the more because you, you gave your son for us. You gave your son for me. So help us to rejoice in the work of Christ and to find new hope and strength this week as we consider his mercies to us. Ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.